Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. Money. Few words evoke as much emotion as that one. Whether it's related to how much or how little you make, spending versus saving, or the difference between how you and your significant other see it, money sparks a conversation and a reaction. So how do we approach it with the proper mindset? It's been said that money is a tool. Used properly, makes something beautiful. Used wrong, it makes a mess. Thankfully, we don't have to figure it all out on our own. We'll explore how that's true in our latest series, Dollars and Cents. Let's continue the upward journey. Great to be here. I saw you all rushing into church this morning. Everybody was hurrying to get in the door, and I thought they just can't wait to hear me preach today. They, they are running in from their cars to get in here. Or maybe it's 30 degrees outside and you just want to be warm. However and why ever you came today, we are so glad you're here. And we just thank God for this day. Before we do anything else today, I want to thank some of the greatest men and women I know. Men and women who, without what they did, uh, we would not be here today. I'd like to ask all our veterans to stand today so we can honor you. Would you stand today? And I want you to give these veterans a hand of love and appreciation. God bless y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you all. We honor you today for your service to our great country, and it is a joy to celebrate you in this weekend. Uh, instead, we thought about getting all the veterans a gift. Instead of doing that, uh, we're going to be generous, and today uh, we're going to give a generous uh, donation to two different veterans organizations. We're going to be giving to the Veterans Healing Home that helps veterans that struggle with PTSD, and we're also going to be giving generously to the Honor Air uh, Blue Ridge Honor Air that flies veterans from, from Western North Carolina to Washington, D.C. to see their memorials and honor them. And it is a beautiful thing to be a part of. So we're giving that uh, just to say thank you to our veterans. So good to have you here today. We're in the third part of a four-part series called Dollars and Cents. And we're asking God to teach us how to handle our finances biblically because handling your finances biblically is a tough thing. Handling finances is a tough thing in our day. How many would say amen to that? It's tough in our day to handle your finances well. None of you is as bad as one guy, though, today. I read about this. Uh, it's on the Internet, so this has to be true. And it's uh, reported by the news, so it's got to be true. Uh, but it was a real report of a man a uh, young man, actually, who on Monday was worth $16 billion. And on Friday, he's bankrupt. What a ride that guy has been on this week. Can you just imagine that? $16 billion. He was one of the 100 richest people in the world. And his whole world collapsed. And now he's bankrupt. Man, he's having a bad day. He's having a bad week. Finances, I hope you haven't fallen that far this week. If you have, why didn't you talk to me last week? <laughs> Finances are tough right now, and that's why we're doing this series, Dollars and Cents. We've been talking about generosity, how to live a generous life. 
We talked about how to break a mindset of scarcity off our lives and how to walk in a mindset of freedom and generosity to the world around us. We talked last week about budgeting and planning, how to sit down and engage your finances and plan where your money goes instead of wondering where it went every month. And so many have been telling me you you are being set free in your financial lives as we walk through God's Word together. We continue today, part three, We'll conclude it next week. Let me, let me ask you this. What would you think if I told you that the most important moment in your financial life is right after you get paid? That the most important thing you can do with your finances happens right after the check clears. Right after the direct deposit comes in. Right after you get that wonderful Christmas bonus, like Clark Griswold, Christmas bonus. Thank you for the chuckles anyway. Um, That moment when the harvest comes into your life is indeed the most important moment in your financial life when you will make an important decision that will guide the rest of your financial life. The moment a harvest comes in, you and I have a decision of what to do with it, and that decision affects the rest of our lives. Do you understand this? I hope you do, and I hope the young people especially get this. There are times in your life that you make decisions in a moment that affect the rest of your life. I wish more people had told me that growing up. Times when you, a season or a week even, or a moment that you can make a decision that can propel your life forward into something wonderful or can turn your life downward and present all kinds of challenges you have to face. I'm going to throw this in for free today, young people. Everybody does stupid stuff. Can I get an amen out there? Can I see the uplifted hand to say, Amen, Pastor. Everybody does some stupid stuff. Myself included. We're all going to have a certain... My wife tells me not to say stupid, so uh, I'm doubling down on it today. I'm sorry, babe. But uh, everybody's got some stupid in their lives. Here's what you got to learn to do. You got to learn to recognize stupid when somebody does it. And say, that's stupid. And I'm not going to do it in my life. You can learn from other people's stupid. Better to learn from theirs than yours. In moments, you can change your life. We're going to see today how a couple of brothers, Cain and Abel, how their lives were changed forever right after they got a harvest. What they did with their harvest, their first harvest, determined the course of the rest of their lives. Now, Adam and Eve, God created them, and He put them in a garden of Eden, and He just gave them one thing not to do. You ever told your kids, don't do this? You can do anything else in the house you want to do, just don't do this one thing. And they'll go do it. That's Adam and Eve. That's us. They had one job, do not eat from this tree, and they did it. They were put out of the garden, yet God made this astounding promise to them in Genesis 3. Very powerful promise. He told Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going to give you a seed or a child, and one of your children is going to crush the head of Satan. 
One of the children that proceed out of your lives is going to crush the devil's head forever. This devil who's gotten you now kicked out of the garden, who's enticed you into sin, is going to be crushed by one of your children. So Adam and Eve said, let's hurry and have some kids. Their first son was named Cain. Eve, when, when Cain was born, Eve said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The Hebrew scholars that study this believe this, and this is such an interesting thought. The Bible doesn't say this explicitly, but the biblical scholars reading the Hebrew that it was written in believe that Eve actually believed that Cain was this child that God had promised that would crush the head of the devil. You thought you had big expectations for your son or your daughter. Eve's like, yeah, this kid's the Messiah. This kid's going to set everything right. The only problem was that was Cain did not do everything right. Cain was the first child born with a sinful nature. He was born with a propensity to sin, with a propensity to be anger, with a propensity to have a temper. That was Cain. Not only was he not the Messiah, but he became the very first murderer in the world, and he killed his own brother. Just imagine that. The first kid born in the world became a murderer because of the sinful nature passed down through Adam and Eve's rebellion against God. How did all this happen? We're going to look at it in Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to see how what Cain and Abel did with their very first harvest when they first got it affected the entire course of their lives. Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read it together. You want to read together this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, we can have fun today. We're going to have fun today talking about giving, all right? Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, I want to stop you right there and I want you to hear this. This all happened at the time of the harvest. At the time when they got their paycheck. At the time when everything they'd been working for actually came home and was placed in their account. At the time of the harvest, here's what they did. And I want you to see the difference in what these boys did. First of all, Cain, let's read it. Cain presented... Stop with me. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift... Abel brought the best. I'm going to point to a word and I want you to say it. We're having fun this morning, I hope. I just did that to see if you would do it. Are you sick of that yet? Yes, okay. Do you see the difference? In Cain and Abel's offering, Cain gave some, Abel gave best. They both both brought an offering to God. They both, when they got a harvest, took it before the Lord to honor the Lord with it. But Cain just brought some. Abel brought the very best that he had. Now here's a lesson to learn from this 
passage of Scripture. We're going to go on and read more of it later. But here's a lesson I want you and I to learn. Whenever you receive a harvest, honor God with that harvest. Honor Him first and best, not out of some. Pull this Scripture back up here again. I know I'm working y'all today, but uh, He gave some. Abel gave best and first. And look what happened. Let's move forward to verse 5. Firstborn lambs from his flock. And here's what it says. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. He carried this anger out of there. And God had a conversation with Cain. God said, Cain's sin lies at the door. Cain, you're about to do something stupid. If you will repent and do the right thing, I will receive you too. But Cain went out and carried his bitterness and murdered his brother. The difference in the offering, Cain gave some. Abel gave first and best. Here's how you honor God with your harvest. When you receive a harvest from anyone, when you receive income, honor the Lord with it before you do anything else with it. Honor God first. Now, I understand how you might feel. Here we go. Preacher's going to get up there and make us give because the budget needs to increase. If you're new to Upward, you may think, they can't pay the light bills and uh, they're just trying. Absolutely not. We're debt-free. Not only are we paying the bills, we're giving away everything we can to bless our community and our world all the time, every month. We're blessed in all kinds of ways. I'm not preaching this message to give you some prosperity gospel that says God wants to give you 16 Cadillacs when you give an offering to the church. How many cars can you even drive, right? How many, uh, right? I'm also not preaching a poverty gospel that says God's honored by you being broken poor because God is not honored by us not being able to bless people. I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom that says when we put God first and honor Him with our harvest, with our first and our best, He will provide for all our needs according to our, His riches in glory. And He will provide overflow out of our lives so that we may be generous to our community around us so that no one will be hungry, no one will be homeless, no one will be destitute. Because the people of God are putting God first in their lives and they're being blessed by Him. But hear me, the first thing you need to get is when you receive a harvest, honor God first before everything else. My wife and I started pastoring a church uh, 28 years ago. and Next month we're going to be here 25 years. We were three years at another church and we started pastoring wonderful, beautiful people. But the church was very small and they weren't able to pay us very much at all. They just didn't have a lot. We went into ministry and we knew that we were going to make sacrifices and we knew it was going to be challenging at times, and it was. But we made this decision from the very beginning of our marriage. We made a decision that whenever we get a paycheck, 10% goes to the Lord. We don't touch it. We don't do anything else with it. We give a biblical tithe 10% to the Lord before anything else. There were times it was hard. You ever been to the grocery store with a calculator? I asked y'all that before. Today it's easy. You look like you're texting on your phone. But I've been to the grocery store with a calculator 
Have you ever had to put anything back at the grocery store? Because you just didn't have enough? We had to do that before. But we made a decision in our lives that we were going to honor God before anything else in our finances. And I want to tell you what God's done. He has provided for our needs according to His riches and glory that I don't have to take a calculator to the grocery store anymore. In fact, I'm able to bless other people at the grocery store that have need now because God has blessed us in part because we put Him first. I don't say that to brag. That is not my heart. But I'm here to give testimony to what God does when you put Him first. Say, preacher, now I'll do this now. I'll I'll do this now when when I get a little more. Here's the deal. If you can't be generous in time of need, you will not be generous in time of plenty. That's just not how it works. If you can't make up your mind and determine in your heart to be generous and put God first now, you will never do it. I got a letter this week that just blew me away. I I read it and a precious lady from Michigan wrote me this letter and she may be watching today. If you are, thank you so much for that letter. It blessed my heart. We have people watching from all over the country and people in other countries that join us every Sunday. She wrote me and she said, Pastor, I've just been crying out to the Lord for a long time. She said, my husband went to prison and I was going to divorce him, but something in my heart told me that I should stay with him. And I began to pray and I was crying out to God. And she said, I was just on my knees. She said, I thought I knew what it meant to follow Jesus, but I really didn't. She said, one evening, I just knelt down and I began to pray. And she said, I felt impressed to watch YouTube. Imagine that. God sends you to YouTube. She said, I found a lady named Amy on YouTube. Who, and, and Amy has a very successful YouTube channel uh, teaching people how to manage large families and cook and shop. Amy, we, we love you so much, and you do such a wonderful job with that. And uh, she's a part of this church, and we love her channel so great. If you haven't seen it, look her up. If you want to learn how to cook for 15 kids, then, uh, oh, she does such a great job. Anyway, the lady said, I watched Amy, and Amy uh, puts scriptures up and talks a lot, and she said, uh, I began to get closer to God. Then she said one video, Amy mentioned where she went to church. And I knew I was supposed to watch your church video, but I didn't. I think she said she went several months and didn't watch. And she said, finally, one day I opened YouTube and there your church was. She said, I clicked on it. And she said, I cried for the service. She said, no, I I sobbed. And Jesus came into that home. And she said, now I know what it is to follow Jesus I'm leading my husband to serve Jesus from prison. That family is together and turned around and on the right path today. And, you know, she put an offering in there. And she said every month, she said, I don't have a lot, but every month I want to put God first and I want to sow some seed in the place that touched my life. That just wrecked me. It's one of the best things that happened to me all week long. That just wrecked me. And I said, God, you are so good. You are so good. People serving Jesus and putting Him first, even out of need. I had a breakfast a couple years ago with a very, very successful businessman in our church, and he was telling me the story of when he and his wife were a young married couple. He said, we couldn't pay our bills at all. And he said, I went to church and I heard a preacher talk about giving and tithing. And he said, I came home and told my wife, we're going to start tithing. She said, we can't even pay the bills. He said, but preacher, I want to tell you, when we started giving, we were able to pay the bills. 
And he said, we've increased the percentage we give from 10 on beyond above that. And God has blessed us personally and in our business beyond our wildest dreams. And he gives all the glory and credit to the Lord for they put God first. I'm also privileged to be able to tell you here at Upward, we're not telling you or asking you to do anything that we don't do as a church. I don't like preachers who tell their congregations to be generous and then they turn around and get stingy with what people give. I want to shout this from the rooftops. I want you to hear it today, not to brag, but I want you to understand as a church, we double tithe. That is, we give away 20% of every penny that comes in an offering goes out of this church and goes off of this property to touch people in our community and around the world for Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited to be a part of a church that takes what comes in and gives it. One of, the, one of the most powerful, I want you to hear this, one of the most powerful anointings, and if you're not familiar with that word anointing, it's a gifting of the Holy Spirit. One of the anointings that rests over Upward Christian Fellowship is the anointing of generosity. So, if you, don't want, if you want to be generous, let me, let me rephrase that. If you don't want to be generous, Don't hang out with us very long because you're going to start giving stuff away. Amen. There's an anointing of generosity. And again, I'm not preaching this message to boost the budget. I'm preaching this message so that you can be set free. So when you receive a harvest, honor God with first. Secondly, when you receive a harvest, honor God with the best. It said Abel honored God with the firstborn and the best of his flocks. He didn't take God something he didn't need. In other words, we don't give our cast-offs to the Lord. Here's what I believe with all my heart. I've been a preacher a long time. I've been in church most of my life. And I've seen sometimes how people want to treat the church. Here's how it goes. Preacher, we got this old couch in the basement. We tried to give it away and nobody wants it. We tried to sell it nobody will take it. So maybe y'all could use this in the church nursery. I don't want to be unkind, but we don't want your old junky couch. We don't want something that you don't even want to use being in God's house. Now, it may interest you to know, I went around and looked in the nurseries before I came up here to preach today. And there are no old junky couches in there. We're going to get the best because our babies are going to be on those things. We're going to do the best we can with everything we have, not extravagant, but quality and clean and everything we have. I believe what's in God's house ought to be better than what's in my house because it's honoring Him. I'm not talking about some crazy extravagance because we're not that, but we want good stuff in God's house because He's worthy of it. Amen. And our babies are certainly worthy of it as well. Amen. Don't give God something that you're casting off from your life. Give God your very best. There is a definitive statement on giving written in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul. This is what he said in 2 Corinthians 9, and I love this so much. This is what kingdom of God giving looks like in the New Testament. Are you ready? Paul said, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
What does that say? You reap what you sow. I was in a restaurant supply store not too long ago, and uh, they had all these scoops, like for scooping up candy or something. You've seen those food scoops? They had one that was like this big. I guess it's like for a St. Bernard or something to eat food. I don't know what it's for. They had this huge scoop, and I'm like, what's that big thing? But whatever you want it to be for. And they had all sizes down. I was kind of fascinated by this. They had this teeny little scoop here. Oh, what would you feed like a mouse with that? I don't know. This teeny little scoop like this. And I saw this big scoop over here. I'm telling you, in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. I just saw it, and the Holy Spirit put this picture in my mind. The Lord said in my heart, Andy, when I pick up a scoop to bless you, you get to pick which one I'm going to use. I'm like, okay, Lord, I want that big one over there. And the Lord's like, okay, then you measure out of that one. When it comes time for you to give, you use that scoop. And then when it's time for me to bless you, I'll use that one and more in your life. That's what the Scripture said. He who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He who's generous reaps in a fantastic way. Verse 7 says it brings it to the crux of the matter. Verse 7 said, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. This is not legalism. I don't want anybody to sit down and say, okay, uh, I'm ashamed if I'm not giving 10%. I want you to give everything you can. But I don't want anybody leaving this place in shame saying, well, the pastor beat up on us today, so we're going to start giving. Uh-uh. Nobody giving in condemnation. Nobody giving legalistically. But I want you to sit down and start giving something. Say, preacher, I don't know if I can afford 10%. Give five and see what happens. Why can you say that with confidence? I can say that with confidence because of this. I know what's going to happen in your life. When you begin to put God first with five, you'll see His blessing on your life in such a way that you say, God, I just want to do everything I can because I need your blessing resting over my life and my finances. Better than a financial planner, better than a budget, better than anything else, what you want over your life is God's hand sitting on your finances. And when you put Him first, He puts His hand on your financial life and blesses you in ways you can never imagine possible. Sit down and decide what the percentage is going to be and be consistent with it. Every month, give that percentage to the Lord. Set it aside for Him before anything else. Don't spend a dime. We've got it set up automatically. Because I want to make sure I don't touch a penny till God gets what belongs to Him first. It's the first thing I see in my checking account. Boom. You can do that today. I used to hate to sit down and pay the bills. Today, I love it. I look and see it going out automatic. Anybody other than me just love that, that I don't have to sit down and write checks anymore. Hallelujah. Sit down and determine in your heart what you're going to give. And here's the promise of God. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Here's what it says. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
I don't want you to leave here today with the burden of giving. I don't want you to walk out of here today with some guilt over your life that you feel like, oh, I'm going to give or God's going to be unhappy. I want you to get a hold of the cheerful joy of giving. The joy of being able to build His kingdom. The joy of being able to be generous. Here's what verse 8 says that will happen as you put God first. And God will generously provide. Oh, I like that word. Can we say that word together? Oh, God will generously provide all you need. Everything you need in your life will be provided by God. Then something else is going to happen. You will... Have, oh, I like those words. Anybody getting a hold of that today? I'll always have everything I need. That is a promise from Scripture. You put Him first, you'll always have everything you need. Like preacher, I don't know how this is going to work. In the Scripture, God says this. I don't think He says this about anything else. He says, try me. Bring it on. Papa Hicks over there was telling me after church, a pastor, he was at a church one time. Now, I'm not doing this this morning, but he told me his pastor did it. I don't know, maybe we can one day, I don't know. This pastor said, you give to the Lord for 90 days. He said, if God hadn't blessed you, we'll give it back. And you know what he told me? I knew the answer to it. They never had to. Sometimes when you preach on giving, you get two reactions. I'm going to close. You get two reactions. Some people get mad about it. Those, those who don't give get mad about it. And you know what happens? Your givers come up and tell you 15 stories about how God did it in their lives. And I can tell you, Thursday night I preached this message, preached this message early this morning, and preaching this message now. And all through this weekend, people come up, I got a story, I got a story, I got a story. Because God is faithful to His Word. Yes. Then He says this, and I'm going to close. Where'd my scripture go? Bring that back up here. Boom, boom. All right, thank y'all so much. You'll have everything you need and plenty. plenty. Oh, you know what I just thought of? Anybody ever been down to the Beacon Drive-In in Spartanburg? Bacon cheeseburger, uh, plenty they call it. All right, I'm sorry. I shouldn't insert that in there. Uh, you will always have plenty left over to share with others. That means God's not only going to pay my bills and take care of me, that He's going to give me extra. Not to store up. Right? I mean... If you want to store up some for retirement, that's great. Not so that I may become wealthy. People think all the time, if I get enough money, I'll be safe. Ask the $16 billion guy. Yeah. Mm -mm. He'll give you enough for you. Then he'll give you enough to share with others. You know what it says about the first church? They had everything in common. That does not mean they were communists. People say the early Christians were the first communists. No, they weren't. They were so generous with each other that nobody lacked anything in the fellowship. 
Nobody was hungry. Nobody was homeless. Nobody needed clothes. If it's not communism, say this. I remember during the great toilet paper crisis of 2020. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember the toilet paper crisis when you could buy a roll of toilet paper for $50, it felt like? You remember that? Calling places to see if they had it. I call Sam's Club. Y'all got any toilet paper? I need some toilet paper. Finally, one day they had it, and everybody in town's descending to get their toilet paper, and everybody's walking out with this big thing. I mean, it's like you just came out of a gold mine. You know what I mean? Look at what I got. I put it in my car, and I went home, and I got out in my neighborhood. And people are like, look there, he's got toilet paper. I told my neighbor across the street, I said this, and I meant it. He said, man, we're going to run out. I said, you won't run out as long as I've got some. Nobody around me is going to run out if I've got some. i got an extra minute. I'm going to tell you this. People talking about hoarding food up for a disaster. Maybe you're a prepper. I don't care if you are. All right. But I could have a basement full of food. If my neighbors need it, I'm not turning them away. Early church had all things. We are the church. I'm going to say something else. I didn't say this in any other messages because I didn't want to get in trouble. See, I'm going home now. I'm just going to say this and go to the car. Big part of our problem in the world today is we're expecting the government to do things that the church is called to do. We're the church. We're the people of God. God wants to pour resources into us, not to flaunt some extravagant lifestyle, but so we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to people in the community that need it. You'll give generously to others. So here's what I want you to do. i got to quit. Sit down and decide what you're going to give. Make it a percentage of your income. Give it every month and watch what God does. Secondly, plan to be generous. And here's how you do this. You get your wallet and you get out a, a bill. I'm going to talk about denominations this morning. You ready? Not that kind. Right here. This is the denomination of Lincoln. Can you see that? This is a five, right? Five dollar bill. You take old Abe and you decide which denomination you're going to join. Let's just recruit today. How many want to be in Abe's denomination? Okay. How many would like to be in the Hamilton church? That's a $10 bill. How many would like to be in the Jackson denomination? You're 20. Oh, hallelujah. Nobody's committing to anything because you don't know what I, where I'm going with this, do you? Here's where I'm going. Then I'll ask you. Pick a denomination of bill, and I want you to have it in cash. And I want you to put it in your wallet or in your purse once a month. I want you to put it in that little pocket back there. Not the spending pocket, the pocket where you almost forget you have it. Anybody know what that pocket's about? Put it in the stash. Put it in the vault. And have it there. And that money is not to go spend. It's to give to somebody as the Holy Spirit leads you. Okay? Now, you might only be able to afford George Washington. But if it's a one, it'll help somebody. 
You may be able to put a five in there and you do it. Once a month, there's a $5 bill going. If you can only do five, do five and God will bless somebody and bless you. But I'm going to tell you what God's into. He'll take you from the church of Lincoln to the church of Hamilton. And He'll take you on up to Andy Jackson. You'll be giving out a 20 every month. And guess where you're going then? Good old U.S. Grant. You'll be giving a 50 out every month. And then you might reach the pinnacle. <laughs> it feels good to walk around with old Benjamin in your pocket, doesn't it? How many like to have a Benjamin in the pocket? How many would like to get to the point, I'm being very serious, dead serious here. How many of you would like to get to a point where every month you've got a Benjamin in your wallet or in your purse that any time God says there's a need, you just take Benjamin and you say, here you go. You walk into a grocery store and you see a mom with a calculator and she's got a bunch of kids. You see somebody getting their food put back because they can't get it. And you say, Benjamin Franklin's here. To well, it probably ought to be Jesus. But uh, <laughs> here we are. And we're going to help. Amen. I'm asking everybody at Upward to do that. Put a denomination in your pocket. Once a month, give it away. And you watch God promote you. You watch God give you more to give away. I'm going to quit, but uh, I want to tell you this story and I'm going to quit. Have I said that already? Today? Did I say that today already? We'll preach online one of these days and I'll get it straight. I am, I promise you, it's the end of my notes. I'm going to quit now, but I got to tell you this. I talked a couple weeks ago about getting a generous mindset and not selling everything, but giving some stuff away. Instead of putting it on Marketplace, find a family that needs it and give it to them. A young lady in the church had this beautiful baby bassinet. Her baby outgrew the bassinet, and she was about to list it for sale. And she said, I remember your words, Pastor Andy. So she called the church, and she said, is there a young family in the church who could use this bassinet? She called Pastor Leanne. Leanne said, I know a lady who's going to have a baby in just a couple months. Maybe they could use it. She called this family and said, could you use a bassinet? They said, yeah, we've been shopping for a bassinet. We haven't been able to get one, don't have one. Uh, let's look at it. They sent her a picture of the bassinet, and it was exactly the one they had in their Amazon cart already. Exactly the one they wanted. Somebody said, here you go. Isn't that a beautiful story? We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not defeated. We're not depressed. We're not discouraged. We're victorious in Him. We give to Him first. Amen. Would you stand with me today? And We're going to pray over you right now. Father, thank you for your precious people. And today we come before you and we surrender our financial lives to you. Father, from this day forward, you are first and you have the best. And we cheerfully walk into this, for some of us, new adventure of giving, waiting and watching for how you're going to bless in all kinds of ways. In Jesus' mighty name we ask it. Amen. Matt, thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.